From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, Chief Equity Strategist, LPL Research. I'm pleased to be joined by my friend and colleague, Jeffrey Roach, Chief Economist. Mr. Roach, how are you today? Oh, doing well. The summer is winding down. Kids are going to be back at it in the fall here soon. So good to be here. Yes. Please factor in the bookbinder back to school shopping into your consumer spending (laughs) forecast because my 12-year-old is about to be unleashed back into the mall. So uh, look out, Abercrombie, Hollister, Aeropostale, all of the above. Oh, Uh, yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you. A soon-to-be 14-year-old and 10-year-old. Yes, you you uh, you get it. So um, thanks for joining, Jeff. We um, we've been kind of rotating through the research department, giving you uh, a, a little bit of a surprised co-pilot each week. Uh, so we'll continue to do this. It kind of makes things fun to bring in uh, different talent each week. So uh, we're going to spend um, most of the this uh, 30 minutes talking about the economy, of course, because that is Jeff's specialty, uh, the Jeff and Jeff show again. Uh, but certainly I'll provide some updates on earnings season, which have been pretty good. Trying to answer the question whether earnings can still push stocks higher. Spoiler alert, it's going to be hard at this stage because there's not much left. And what's left is a lot of retail. So unless my daughter can single-handedly save retail, uh, it's going to be a challenging, I think, next couple of weeks. Of course, the job support was the big economic event of last week, so we'll get Jeff's thoughts on that. Uh, And then this week, it's all about inflation and the CPI. So let's get right into it. Um, First, you know, the stocks have been up three straight weeks. The gains last week were modest, but frankly, pretty impressive given all of the concerns about the Fed, right? We had this much stronger than expected job support, which caused the market to price in more Fed rate hikes and and frankly, a slower trajectory of falling inflation. And yet uh, stocks still managed to end the week higher. So um, I think the word for last week is is resilient, Jeff. Uh, We are back to, you know, well over 4,100 on the S&P 500 now. And actually, uh, getting pretty close to the fifty percent retracement, which is a key level. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. So we had our stack meeting yesterday, strategic, tactical, asset, and allocation committee meeting, and uh, some of the things we—that uh, is a mouthful. But man, <laughs> um, we're we're always told, "Hey, avoid the acronyms." Okay, well, uh, maybe with uh, with the market signals podcast, we can get away with it. We just defined stack, so hopefully. Uh, we can get away with it. Um, but the uh, the discussion yesterday, you're right, Jeff. So, you know, thinking about where we were just, say, a month ago, you know, really concerned about the 3,900 level and, hey, can we break 4,000 level and 41? So what we we didn't talk about as much was the VIX side of the equation. And if you look at that side, it has just been consistently trekking on downhill um, from you know, a month and a half ago. So uh, volatility has declined consistently, and that certainly has been a good thing for the markets. Absolutely. This is a key level for a number of reasons. Um, This 50% retracement, 
has essentially sounded the all clear for all bear markets since World War II. Uh, that 50% level is 4230. So that we're watching really closely. Basically, what that means is, um, you know, if the if the market falls, the S and P 1,200 points, the 50% retracement would be up 600. And so that midpoint uh, historically has been key. Even if you, this is from Sam Stovall at, at CFRA, really interesting analysis. If you take 15% corrections and look at 50% retracements, 20 out of 21 sounded the all clear and, and stocks proceeded to just get back to prior highs without retesting. So the key question everybody's asking, are we going to retest or not? Looks like the odds of a retest are falling. They're, they're nowhere near zero, but odds of a retest are falling based on the progress uh, the S&P 500 has made. We've also looked at some of these support levels, you know, either prior lows or recent highs, uh, and sort of 3,900 to 3,950 is a place that maybe we would land if we do see uh, a bit of a pullback from here. And then last thing, and we'll get to the economy, Jeff. Everybody's asking, is this a bear market rally or is this the, you know, the end of the, of the bear? I don't think we know enough to make that call because bear market rallies within bull markets, long bull markets, um, or bull market recoveries can be as much as 13, 14%. In fact, that's pretty typical. And that's what we're up now, 13, 14% off the lows. So we'll, we'll say, I know that's kind of a cop out, but we'll just say, we really don't have enough information yet to um, to say this bear is over. So uh, let's turn to the economy and uh, we'll talk soft landing and what we learned potentially soft landing and what we learned about the economy from the jobs report on, on Friday, Jeff. I mean, it was a boomer. I don't think anybody expected 528,000 jobs, even the most optimistic on the economy. Seems like the odds of recession are quite a bit lower now uh, based on what we saw then, or at least the odds of a recession in 2022. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think the uh, the storyline has been, you know, going into the report on Friday. Yeah, I think a lot of us were revising up our estimates based on the ISM surveys. So, you know, one of the reasons why we look at all these different metrics is that it helps explain other uh, aspects of the information flow. So ISM services, ISM manufacturing, both have a component within them embedded under the headline number that talks about, you know, employment hiring and, 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 and the such. So ISM surveys were, were kind of pointing toward a, a slightly stronger number uh, for July. Uh, the challenge, and this is where it was a little bit confusing, is we thought, well, you know, claims during the survey period, which is the, the week that includes the 12th, was softer than it was the previous month survey period. And I think that was kind of the competing, uh, you know, data. But, you know, ISM, was, again, ISM was, was the big factor. One of the things that I'm still looking into and, and trying to understand is, you know, the, in the household survey, there's been a, uh, a, a slight uptick in the number of multiple job holders. It's not alarming levels. I think some of my colleagues in other firms are maybe putting too much emphasis on that fact, you know, multiple job owner uh, holders and temp help. And, you know, again, 
factoring the fact that uh, the BLS does tend to revise these numbers a fair amount. So we do have to be really careful not to be overly uh, rosy optimistic after this July print. Uh, it's, you know, it's possible that this thing will be revised down. However, I don't think anybody's saying, well, it's going to be revised to be negative, a net negative. I mean, that's clearly not going to happen. I think one of the things that's that's really helpful to think about is the the labor market is slowing in a really nice uh, decelerating factor. So, Jeff, we were just joking about our uh, kids. I, I, yours are a little bit behind me. Mine's turning 14 this weekend. You know, he's a boy. When he gets behind the wheel, one of the things that I'm going to have to really work on is, hey, look, you get to a red light, you get to a stop sign, don't slam on the brakes. Nobody likes that. Uh, you want to decelerate slowly. And if you if you average out some of the, the most recent uh, labor market stats, particularly the July one, and you kind of do a six-month moving average, you see a really nice classic mature driving pattern going right into that stop sign. It's slowing down and not uh, not crunching to and screeching to a halt. That's that's what we'd like to see, you know, as I watch the Fed relative to some of the pressures there. But this graph is basically saying, in addition to what I just highlighted on uh, the labor market report, you also need to factor in that the recovery is still about 5 million away from trend. Uh, look at that orange line. We want the labor market numbers to have about, you know, 155 million. We're not, we don't want about 150 and change, but 155 and change. And so this is, this is a little concerning because it's the folks that have not re-entered. Uh, they're on the sidelines. They're not looking for work. Hence, they're not counted in the unemployed. That's why this unemployment rate is so low, frustratingly low, because folks are not looking for work, so they're not counted in the labor force. So there you have it. That's that's kind of the big picture um, from uh, the labor market. But I think you know we're, we didn't talk too much about this, Jeff. But uh, the the title of this podcast is uh, referencing our mid year outlook. So we talk about turbulence, we talk about landing, we got that beautiful plane picture coming onto the runway. Is the soft landing still possible? And my argument is, given I just talked about the fact that the labor market is slowing in a real classic, nice way, the soft landing, I think, still is possible. Not a done deal, but still possible. Nice tie in there for the uh, mid-year outlook, which is where that last graphic came from, of course, with the the guy in the LPL gear landing. By the plane. way, yeah, I, I wanted to point out he even had an LPL branded hat, which I thought was pretty classy. That, yes. That's Check our marketing. That. Our marketing team did a great job with that. That is that is cool. I actually have a hat like that. So good good stuff uh, from marketing. Check out our mid-year outlook if you haven't already. Uh, these charts that we're going through now on the jobs report are actually in the weekly market commentary, which we just put out on LPL.com yesterday. I actually tweeted out uh, the link to that just a little bit before we uh, started recording this this morning. It is uh, August 9th uh, as we are recording. 
So let's uh, move forward, Jeff. Uh, the next chart you put in the weekly on this jobs report is where have all the workers gone? You alluded to this, right? That a lot of people are still on the sidelines, not joining the labor force, which is making it tougher to, to alleviate wage pressures. Right, and it's not just from the BLS. It this this theme is still showing up and and uh, loud and clear here in some of the other measures, particularly from the National Federation of Independent Businesses (NFIB) released a small business optimism index this morning. Uh, again, we're recording on Tuesday the ninth, and. Uh, NFIB gives us some great metrics. And what I looked at, in fact, I, I shared this uh, with some of the colleagues here, is small businesses across the country are still saying one of the most challenging problems right now for small businesses is finding qualified workers. That's it. So clearly inflation is a, is a big issue, and that's a frustrating point for businesses. But finding qualified workers, still there. And this, this is kind of just another angle for what this graph is just saying. You know, the, these are participation rates. So uh, you could look at it a number of different ways. Some folks prefer the employment to population ratio. Uh, and it, it, it's a similar story in the sense that of those in these age brackets, they could be working, but they're not. And in fact, the percentage of those in those age brackets that were working pre-pandemic was higher than it is now across all age 25 to 34. And you, you just keep on trekking on up to the 55 up in the yellow line here. And so uh, small businesses are, 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 are struggling to find workers. Of course, the, uh, the response typically, you know, ceteris paribus conditions, as we like to say, all other things, being equal, uh, it, the firms will say, "Look, the only way to attract workers is to raise, you know, the the uh, the the wage for the the opening." And so that's exactly right, Jeff, as you you just mm -hmm. said, as it relates to inflation. So, yeah, where where have they gone? Uh, I'll answer that question by this: they possibly have gone to start their own businesses. That's why you look at business formation statistics being uh, very helpful to explain some of the uh, some of the gyrations in the labor market right now. Mm -hmm. Kind of related to the gig economy and uh, all those uh, Uber drivers and DoorDash drivers that are out there and maybe not necessarily being being counted that I I know we've talked about this before that I think continues to present a challenge for economists to keep track of of the labor force and using traditional uh, yeah. participation statistics. Well, the uh, the household survey will capture that. So yeah, the, the gig workers are not on payroll. So they won't show up on the establishment survey, but they will show up in the household mm -hmm. survey. Um, by the Good. way, we really geeked out in our uh, morning call yesterday, Jeff, talking about household survey and establishment survey. Uh, so yeah, gig economy, household. But here's here's the other thing I think um, that, that we can track. That's why the business formation stats is so important because I think there's a fair amount, why it's not just think, I know. I know there's a fair amount of folks that are uh, doing the application for businesses. They've set up payroll that, you know, with ADP, for example, got their uh, EIN number, 
uh, for tax purposes, et cetera. So some of these folks, not just gigging it, they're actually forming their own uh, bona fide business. Hmm, interesting. Well, that, that sounds encouraging. If if that's where folks are going, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. So, so it, um, when I was at uh, an event last week, sorry to jump in here, but you know, I was in Brentwood, Tennessee last week for a big event and uh, folks wanted to know, well, are there any silver linings? And I said, yes, look at business formation stats. <laughs> you know, it's kind of once, once COVID hit, uh, well, really it's like 2021, it just skyrocketed the number of uh, business formation uh, applications. So Yes, little the, teaser there. The great resignation led to maybe the great startup boom. So um, right. you you threw one more chart in here, you know, related to the um, at least economic growth and the you know the job market recession, no recession, and all of that. So explain uh, to to folks what they're looking at here. Yeah, this this is a really helpful story. I think advisors can can take this with them to you know when they're when they're at the cocktail party with you know, the question about recession and inflation. And the point is that you, know, you look at those boxed areas that I have in the chart, the little, the dotted boxed areas, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and, you know, 2011, 2011 to 2018-ish, were all periods where uh, particularly durable good prices were falling, not just the rate of inflation slowing, but it was actually deflation. So negative, we're below the zero line, right? So we're in negative territory, meaning prices are actually falling and we didn't have a recession. There was no recession. Inflation was, was cooling off. And in some areas, of course, outright declining. And I think this is a, this is a great story to add Again, going back to our mid-year outlook, granted, this is not a done deal. It's not going to be necessarily, quote unquote, easy for a soft landing as the Fed is hiking and tightening financial conditions. But th this is all possible. In the, in the mid-90s, the Fed was tight tightening. The labor market started easing pretty, pretty uh, you know, clearly the Fed stopped its tightening held steady for a little bit and actually responded by cutting rates. It's all 95, 96 time period. And uh, you, you can see this, this period where, you know, no recession. There's the shaded vertical bars there are indicating the recession periods uh, in the recent decades. So that, that's why I just titled the graph. Look, we, we can have a, a slowdown in prices without a corresponding recession. The old mid-cycle slowdown. Exactly. Uh, I, I've heard it referred to. So uh, sure, the, a lot of folks have compared this environment to the mid-90s. That would be tremendous <laughs> if we could get an outcome like that. Because as we all know, uh, the Fed track record of soft landings is, is not great, to uh, put it mildly. So um, just to wrap up the first segment here, we've got you know, the, a, a weekly market commentary, which really has two halves. We recap the job report uh, that uh, the Jeff wrote, and then we talk about the relationship between stocks and recessions in the second half. And that's what you see here. Uh, we just want to remind folks that, you know, stocks react to recessions and recoveries from recessions quickly and early, like several months in advance. So um, 
you know, even if we do get a recession in the next several months, we might have already priced it in because it's likely to be mild because we got that 23, 24% peak to trough in the S&P 500 already into the June lows. So um, we could, in theory, be in the middle of the recovery from the market pricing in a mild recession. Uh, and uh, what that would tell you is, just like this table shows, from recession date start to end, stocks can do just fine. So even the folks who are saying we're in a recession or we will be in a recession very soon, need to recognize that based on history, most of the damage is probably done. Um, in fact, if in this chart, you know, we're just showing how the S&P does from start of recession to end of recession. You know, on average, you're up. And if you take out 2008 and 9, you'd be up a fair amount because you had the, you know, you take the median, which of course takes out the outliers, and then you're up five percent. So, uh, the um, most of the damage is done, and it's going to take a lot of incremental economic weakness and earnings weakness to take us below those June lows, or at least meaningfully below those June lows. And then the other point we made, and I, we've shown this before, so it may look familiar to some of our regular listeners, but if you look at all these bear markets uh, over the last 60, 70 years or so and break them out into recession or no, uh, if you don't have a recession or if you have a mild recession, uh, you tend to not only see smaller declines, like low 20s, mid 20s, and you see faster recoveries, 10 months on average and not 27 months on average. So if we have a you know, 10 month recovery, we could be back at the highs in, in early 2023. Uh, that certainly, I think most of us would take if we could get it right now. So the, you know, the key messages here are uh, stocks may have already priced in a recession and these recoveries can be pretty quick, especially if we either don't get a recession or get a mild recession. Because look at the, uh, the average recovery from a, uh, a mild bear market with no recession is seven months. We already did seven months. I'm sorry, the, the length of the bear, rather. This bear is already eight months. August is the eight month, eighth month. So you could argue that based on this analysis that the bear is, is over. So that's the other point uh, that we made in the weekly market commentary. Again, you can see that on LPL.com. Uh, I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes on earnings, and then we'll, um, we'll move forward and talk about inflation and what else is on the docket for this week. I should say talk more about inflation because we have CPI. Uh, here's our earnings dashboard, which um, we've shown you a few times. The um, the good news is earnings season, you know, has been quite solid. Uh, the you know typical three percent upside. Most folks didn't think we'd get that. If you look at the very long term, like since earnings numbers were aggregated, you know, we have numbers back to the mid '90s. You know, three to four percent is about average and we've got that earnings are tracking to um you know about this these these numbers are a touch uh out of date now because we've gotten a few more results here over the last several days but you know earnings are tracking up to like 6.7 percent uh year over year when we started earnings season they were tracking to four percent so that's a nice amount of upside and you know average upside might not sound exciting but when you've got a really strong dollar, you've got a slowing economy, and you've got these intense inflation pressures, not to mention the supply chain problems that are still going on. These are really, really good results. So um, earnings season has been a win, and it's a big part of why stocks are up. 
at least in the last six weeks or so. But here's the problem, and then I'll pass it over to you, Jeff. The, you know, the big names have already reported. Uh, there is not a lot left. And what's left is retail, a lot of it anyway. So even though I'm impressed by what companies have delivered, I just don't think there's enough left to drive this next leg higher in the market in the short term. And we're gonna need good news from inflation or the market's interpretation of the Fed to push us up to potentially that 50% retracement level 4230 that we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I wonder, Jeff, if you have thoughts on this. So I referenced the NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business Report, uh, that I just um, read through just before we got on this uh, recording. And, you know, love your take on this. But if I if I hear from businesses that they are having trouble attracting workers, and at the same time, I hear from businesses that they're having trouble uh, passing along prices, higher prices. What is that going to do for your average business owner? How are they going to respond? Cut costs somewhere else or just factor in lower profits? Yeah, if you can't raise prices, you got to cut costs, right? Um, I think the key here is the revenue line, Jeff. You know, we've had several percentage points of upside to revenues and revenues were expected to be up low teens anyway. So I, I really think that's where that extra cushion is coming from. You know, companies have surprised on the margin side too. They haven't shown as much margin pressure as a lot of people expected. But that extra revenue is, is really a big help. Uh, and where why are they generating strong revenue growth? Well, a lot of it is they're able to pass along the higher cost to their customers. You know, we all know we have an inflation problem and cu customers are giving companies in many cases the benefit of the doubt and not pulling back too dramatically in some cases they don't have a choice right you can pay higher prices at one store or the other store either way either place you go you're going to pay, pay higher prices so i think the market just gets it and uh, the combination of pretty good margin pretty good cost management and that pricing power and strong revenue has uh, enabled uh, companies to get these uh uh, these these strong results. So, you know, maybe they're not going to get, maybe the market won't get surprised in the next couple of weeks as earnings season winds down. But um, there's no doubt that this will provide support at least to have the market hang in there. And if market again, if we're going to retest, we need some significant economic deterioration that we hope we don't get. But there's nothing from corporate America, even though we've had some companies miss, of course, some pretty high profile companies take down guidance. Overall, the picture is just too good uh, for stocks to retest the lows because earnings are weaker or because estimates uh, have, have come down. And they have come down. <clears throat> they've come down about two and a half percent. So, and frankly, that was a win, I think, for most investors who thought estimates were going to come down even more than that. So, in fact, our estimates at LPR Research are still below the estimates from uh, from the consensus. So maybe a little more downside estimates because of the economic environment, but we would argue uh, not a ton, at least not in the second half of the year. So uh, let's turn to uh, the preview of the week, Jeff. And of course, the big news is going to be the CPI. By the time many of you 
listen to this, you will have already seen the report on Wednesday morning at 8.30 East Coast time. Uh, this is really the, the headline of the week, what we're all going to be watching. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And so, Jeff, as, as I'm, I'm reading this slide, I'm thinking, that's right. So, as you just referenced, the, uh, the watchers of this podcast, listeners, will be uh, you know, laughing, thinking, oh, wait, wait, we already know what Ju July CPI is. So, I, so in order to not sound stale in this conversation, I think what I, what I want to do in thinking about uh, the inflation stats and helping advisors and as they talk to their clients thinking through the inflation story, I think the best way to do this, and when, when this number comes out, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to break it down by durables, non-durables, and services. I'm going to look at some components of inflation, and I'm going to pretty much ignore the headline. So, yeah, I sound like a broken record when I when I talk about this, but it's it's going to be uh, you know the real value in in understanding the trend of where prices are going, the trajectory here. You have to look at the components. You know what what's the what's the trend going on for durables, non-durable services, and I think it's fair to say that what's what's most obvious is the the bifurcation between those. You know, you had durable prices on a wonderfully dramatic downswing uh, the last several months, uh, and we have to watch services. Look at look at the components in that regard, and that's going to help us think about. All right, you got a July print. The Fed's going to have another month of data uh, by the time they meet in September. They're going to have the August print. So July print, August print. Oh, we'll have some high-frequency data uh, already for the first half of September by the time uh, the Fed meets and makes a decision here. So it's a little bit uh, up in the air at this point after Friday's strong job report, but I think it's fair to echo Mary Daly's comment, and that is 50 basis points is a reasonable starting point. I think that's the, that's a that's a great way to go in. All right, so it communicates they're they're downshifting the speed at which they're tightening financial conditions. And fifty basis points in September is a good starting point. It's reasonable to use Mary Daly's word. And of course, Mary Daly is the president of the San Francisco branch of the Fed. Yeah, I've already seen some folks talking about a bigger hike, which you could have predicted given the jobs number. So whether we get 50 and then 225s or a 75 and a 25, uh, we still think another percentage point of hikes this year is is likely. But uh, you know, if if that's wrong, it's probably wrong because it's a little less than that, not a little more. At least that's our our bias. Maybe it's 60 40. <laughs> Not a high conviction lean, but uh, that's right. that that's our that's our team lean at this point. So that's right. Uh, Everything's at the labor market right now in terms of just the big picture of what Fed needs to do. So if you go back to Powell's statement after the most recent meeting, you know, talking about the weakness in business uh, expenditures, the weakness in spending, the weakness because of high inflation pressures, everything was weak, 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 and the one bright spot was the labor market. And so it really depends on how much the labor market slows, how dramatically it slows, whether the Fed pauses or not in December. I think at this point, uh, it's it, there. 
it's a little bit less likely for them to pause in December, and they're still going to be hiking September and November. By the way, they do not meet in October. So um, basically, they have three meetings left for this year. And, and we do not expect a surprise intra-meeting hike, but certainly folks are speculating that could happen. Right, so, right. We'll watch as as the markets will. Uh, we'll be watching the Fed closely. The only other things this week really uh, that jumped out at me. I mean, of course, we have more earnings, but it's uh, in the home stretch. We have the um, you know the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is probably not going to cut inflation at all in the next year or two, but um, that's going to the House for a vote, I believe, on Friday. It is likely to pass. I mean, I guess something crazy could happen. There's not a lot of margin for, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't call it margin for error. It would be an error on the Democratic side if they couldn't pass this thing at this point. Um, but that is probably going to pass. And, um, you know, it has uh, a few important impacts to keep in mind. You know, number one, uh, the tax increases on companies with below 15% tax rates. That's actually going to potentially... Uh, cause S&P 500 earnings to come down a percentage point or two next year. So that is certainly um, material. The market doesn't seem to care that much, but it's certainly material. And then starting in 2026, drug companies are not going to be able to raise prices as much. So that will have earnings impact, but it's a few years away. There's a buyback tax in there. So companies are probably going to do dividends over buybacks starting next year when that reportedly will be going into effect. So there could be a small, I mean, it's gonna be hard to notice, but there could be a small shift in corporate preferences toward uh, dividends as opposed to buybacks as the result of that piece. Uh, and then there's some you know, Affordable Care Act subsidies that could help health insurers. There's a lot of renewable energy tax credits that could help companies in that area as well as electric vehicles. So it's kind of a winner's losers uh, a lot of sort of countervailing forces uh, within that bill, but certainly for stock pickers, the policy will matter. And it'll certainly be interesting to see how the market reacts to lower profit estimates next year for certain companies, especially big tech uh, that have a lot of, you know, lower tax profits overseas the sort of poster child that gets brought up a lot is Amazon, but there are others. It'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to that when those companies' tax bills go up. So that's really, frankly, all I think that's meaningful in this bill in terms of stock picking and market impact. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, that's all we get and we don't get hit by some negative surprises as people read this thing, because I don't know how many hundreds of pages it is, but it's a big bill. So um, I think we're at time. So I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, and wrap up there, and just thank everybody for uh, joining this latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Thank you, Jeff, for walking us through what's a really complicated economic environment. It's great that people are getting jobs, but it makes the Fed's job tougher, and it makes it tougher for us to um, to analyze this economy. It's really unlike anything we've seen, but. We've had a good earnings season, and um, certainly that is providing support uh, for stocks. And we'll uh, we'll now turn our attention to that CPI uh, tomorrow. So again, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks uh, as as always for joining us 
on the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. We will see you next time. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.